As Pastor David said, we have been making our way through some of the one another's uh, this past summer, this this summer. Uh, There are over 50 plus one another's in the New Testament. Some of the ones we've looked at have been encourage one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds. We look to confess to one another, forgive one another, and so on and so forth. Today, we're looking at two of the one another's that are connected so intimately with each other, so intricately together, that we're going to deal with them together. Serve one another and love one another. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 5, which was just read, serve one another humbly out of love. And then Jesus himself said in John 13, 34 and 35, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now when Jesus spoke these words out of John 13, he was calling all of his followers to a, to a different level of love and service. To love so powerfully, to serve so differently that those outside the family of faith would take notice and and attribute this difference to Jesus himself. In the third century, one of the church fathers, early church fathers, Tertullian, wrote this about the attention drawn when this kind of love and service was put into practice. Tertullian wrote, It is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand upon us. See, they say, how they love one another. See how they are ready even to die for one another. The early church, the caring and commitment of Christians to to, to serve one another and to love one another was a profound testimony in 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 a Roman society that was riven by social divisions. And Christ's command to, to love one another and serve one another is not, has not changed one iota since he walked this earth and spoke those words around 2,000 years ago. We are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. We are part of God's family and we belong to each other. So, so what does it look like if we are to put these words into practice, to, to serve one another out of love and to love one another as Christ has first loved us? And maybe you, you might think it looks a little bit like this. If I try just a little bit harder than the average person and I inconvenience myself a little bit more, if I make a few more sacrifices than the average person, then I'm in the right ballpark and on my way to, to living and loving like Jesus. It's easy to think that way sometimes. But the French, excuse me, the Danish philosopher and also Christian Soren Kierkegaard said this, most people really believe that the Christian commandments, for example, to love one's neighbor as oneself, are intentionally a little too severe, like putting the clock ahead half an hour to make sure of of not being late in the morning. Jesus is very clear. Love one another as I have loved you. If it's more than simply trying harder than the average person to be nicer, more giving, kinder, more loving than the average Joe or Jill, what does it look like? First, we are to serve indiscriminately, not selectively. Now, anybody can serve certain people at some times, but very few people can serve anybody at any time. Let me repeat that. Anybody can serve certain people some of the time, but very few people can serve anybody at any time. You know, at First Covenant Church, if the only people whom we serve are more or less like us, then we're not following Christ's command. If in our interactions, in the church and outside the church, if in our interactions we never step outside our comfort zone and regularly invest and interact and reach out to people who are different from us, we fall short of Christ's words. 
You know, it's very easy for us to get involved in the lives of the only people who we, we kind of travel in the same socioeconomic circles. I mean, that's the way the world works, right? You go to school, you, you hang out, you go to the same clubs, you, you're involved in the same teams or activities, you, you work together. Everything kind of funnels us that way. And so it's natural and easy to live that way. One has to go against the grain to follow Christ's commands in this case. In fact, in any case with Christ, he's countercultural. We must go against the grain. You know, when Jesus spoke this word, love one another as I first love you, he envisioned a family of believers who, who were so committed to each other and lived so differently that they were contrary to the world's norms. He envisioned a family where people belonged to each other, where bonds expressed through love and service connected the single mom on welfare, barely getting by, to the, the doctor, the businessman, the lawyer who was pulling down six figures. He envisioned a group of people who regularly went beneath the surface of their relationships to the nitty-gritty reality of life. I mean, that's what Jesus got in trouble for, wasn't it, when he walked this earth? We look at Scripture, and Jesus catches flack for going outside social norms. He goes to the home of Zacchaeus, a, a tax collector who's been ostracized because, well, because he's collaborating with the, with the occupying Roman force. And Jesus catches flack for speaking to a woman, a Samaritan woman, who, who was a half-breed, who is, he meets her at the well, and, and she's been married and several times and is living, living with a man who's not her husband, and he catches flack for loving her and treating her with respect and talking with her. We see Jesus mingling with the poor and the wealthy and the sick and the diseased. He even interacts with those who hate him and oppose him. And in John 13, right before we read these words, love one another as I have loved you, he washes the feet of his betrayer, Judas Iscariot, and he feeds him out of his own hand. And then he says these words, love one another as I have loved you. I mean, just think about the witness the church, Big C, could have if we were able to relate as Christ related to others. If we serve indiscriminately, not selectively, the, the, the world will pay attention. And people will see that God's, that Christ's message is, is real and that it works and that we, we really believe, believe it. But if we serve only to a point, we give others a reason to reject Christ. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about serving and loving others as Jesus Christ has first loved us. And the opportunities and needs to serve in Salina are great. Here in the middle of America, small town Salina, there are literally thousands of people who have strong needs in dire straits, living from paycheck to paycheck, broken homes, kids missing meals, inadequate housing. The list goes on and, and on. You know, something that our family has done a, a handful of times at Thanksgiving, not every year, but we've done it a few times, is, uh, you know how Applebee's serves the Thanksgiving meal every year? Well, they also have a carryout, so people can call in and say, we'd like a meal delivered, and, and they need people to do that. So we've done that, you know, probably three or four different times. And it's been a real eye-opener, really, for, for us and our kids. We've seen terrible housing situations and health situations, holes in the floors of trailer houses, uh, one guy, I remember, he, he was heating his house by using the stovetop, you know, the flames on the stovetop, the burners, because his electricity had been cut off. Uh, another situation, a 10-year-old girl taking care of her bedridden father, living in a trailer park in North Salina. Senior adults, alone and frail and, and scared. The needs are great. And those who work in 
in law enforcement or social services or the school system know this better than most. And that's not even mentioning the greatest need that we all have, the powerful, redemptive love and grace of Jesus Christ. But many who are hurting and needy will not hear or receive the good news of Christ unless we serve them indiscriminately in Jesus' name. Secondly, how do we love and serve as Jesus did? We are to serve sacrificially, not selfishly. 1 John 3.16 states, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Gary Thomas, uh, I have several of his books in my office, in one of his books called Authentic Faith, he writes about a scenario where he, he was challenged about how he served other people. He and his wife had just bought a brand new vehicle, the first one that they had bought in about 15 years. And they were excited about it, but they were also determined to make sure this, this vehicle lasted as long as possible, so they tried to keep the mileage down. But one day his wife startled him by saying, um, Honey, I think we should let the Smiths borrow the van for the weekend. And he said, Well, where are they going? She said, Eastern Washington. He said, Over the mountains, across the state, Eastern Washington? She said, Yeah. Thomas writes that he was reluctant to, um, to let someone else drop over 1,000 miles on a new vehicle that only had 700 miles at the time. But that morning he had a devotion out of Acts chapter 2, which says, All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Now even with a seemingly clear direction from God, Thomas was reluctant. He said to his wife, If money weren't an issue... I wouldn't mind letting them borrow our new van. It's just that this is our only vehicle, and, and I want it to last. We've been trying to, to keep the mileage down, and now we're going to let somebody take the wheel of our vehicle and take it over the mountains? Well, later that day, he was on his daily run, and, and God in his conscience had a conversation. God said, you said if money weren't an issue, you'd be happy to lend your van to the Smiths. And Thomas, in his mind, said, that's right. If we had two or three vehicles and, and if we weren't worried about paying for the maintenance, it wouldn't bother me at all to see somebody else get behind the wheel of that van. And God seemed to respond, so what you're really saying is that you're willing to act like a Christian only as long as it doesn't cost you anything. In matters of faith and of service, we are to take our cues from Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. The Christian faith, in fact, was birthed in and through sacrifice. Jesus, the scripture tells us, died a terribly painful death and allowed himself to be sacrificed for us. Jesus, the scripture tells us, as God's son possessed more than we could ever imagine, and yet he voluntarily gave up those rights and allowed himself to be sacrificed for us. In Romans 12:1, we're told that we are to be offer ourselves as, as living sacrifices. And we are to serve not only when it's convenient and when it doesn't cost too much, but we are to serve sacrificially and radically, motivated by love for Christ and love for other people. You know, a question that I can't say I like asking it, but a question I ponder now and then is, what has my faith cost me lately? You know, how has my faith in Christ, how has it maybe inconvenienced me? What has it cost me in my life you know, that's a question we all need to ask ourselves sometimes. 
if we want to follow the example of Christ. Sacrifice, service, and love cost us something. 1 John 3.16 challenges us to, to lay down our lives for others as Christ did. Now think about this for a moment. What was Christ's greatest moment on earth when he poured out his love most powerfully? And everyone would say, well, it was on the cross, right? When he gave his life for us. And I would say, I would agree with that. But I would narrow it down even more. Remember what he does when he's on the cross? He's hanging there and there's, there are people there who are taunting him, making fun of him. They're, 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 just, they're giving him a hard time. They're, they're, they're looking at him with, with cruelty, treating him with cruelty. And what does Jesus do? He looks at them with compassion, the scripture says, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. You know, Peter said he would give up his life in some huge grand gesture. But that's not where most of us live, and most of us aren't going to have an opportunity to do that in our lives, are we? To be some huge martyr, some huge heroic sacrifice. Where we do have the opportunity is every single day to serve others, to love others, to serve indiscriminately, to serve sacrificially. That's where we have the opportunity. You know, there's a passage in Matthew 25 that I know well, and it's always disturbed me. It's always kind of unnerved me, I guess you could say. And it's a passage where Jesus says, at the end of time, when all the nations are going to gather before the judgment seat, he says, this is what's going to happen. He says, people will be divided into two camps. There will be the, the sheep and the goats, the saved and, and the unsaved. And it disturbs me on a couple of levels. One, because that means there are people who will not be saved. And secondly, because there's an element of surprise in who the sheep and goats are. And what this parable tells us, it suggests, is that in the end, we're not judged necessarily on the bad things that we do, but on the good things that we do not do. Those on the left hand of the king were denied entrance into the kingdom. Why? Because Jesus says, when I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. And when I was hungry, you didn't give me anything to eat. When I was in prison, you didn't come and visit me. And when I didn't have clothes, you gave me none. You know, there are, there are many fine, respectable people who, who aren't doing anything for Christ. You know, right before this, this story of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, Jesus tells another story about a man who, who receives a talent Say, let's say $1,000, and he's judged for how he handles that money. Why did Jesus condemn the man? Not because he gambled it away, not because he frivolously spent it, not because he misinvested it. It's because he did absolutely nothing with it. He did nothing with what he had been given. Those on the left in Jesus' parable are kept out not because of what they did, but because of what they did not do. The goats are judged by their sins of omission, not by their sins of commission. And Jesus has a simple test to, to sort through them. They are divided based upon their love for him, expressed through their love for others. And it leads us to a very spiritual principle of truth, that the depth of our love for God is directly proportionate to the depth of our love for other people. One of my favorite stories is a true story about a young woman named Sally, and she was in seminary 
And one of her favorite professors was a man named Professor Smith, and he was known for his elaborate object lessons to drive home, you know, his lessons. And uh, one day she walked into class uh, with a, her classmates, and there was a target on the wall, like a kind of a bullseye target, and on the table there were some darts next to it. Um, and he, he had them come in, and he, he told them that he wanted them to draw pictures of, of you know, somebody that who, who, dis, who they disliked or someone who had made them angry. And then he said, we'll put the... T- We'll put the pictures on the target, and you can throw darts at them. Kind of interesting, huh, Tracy? Well, one girl drew a picture of a, of a girl who'd stolen her boyfriend. Another guy drew a picture of a younger brother who he had a real fight with. And she wanted to have some fun, so she drew a picture of Professor Smith, and she kind of made it goofy and stuff. They thought, they thought we'd all have a laugh about it. Well, pe- people put up their pictures, and they began to throw darts, and, and after a while, the, you know, the, everything was kind of torn up, and and it was her turn. Before she got to do it, Professor Smith said, go back to your seats and sit down. And she was kind of fuming about this because she wanted to have her chance. But then Professor Smith began removing the target from the wall, and underneath there was a picture of, of Jesus. And the hush fell over the room and as they looked at the picture of Jesus, torn and pierced, his eyes pierced out, torn and jagged. And Professor Smith said these words. And this was the class. Whatever you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. You know, every person that we come in contact in these, within these church walls and every person we come in contact outside these church walls is an individual, a person created in God's image that Jesus Christ gave his life for and that Jesus Christ loves. We are to see each other. If we want to serve and love as Jesus did, we are to see each other as image, in the image of God created that way as people that Jesus Christ loves and gave his life for. Finally, we are to serve concretely, not just verbally. You know, our language is full of sayings that confirm that for something or someone to be authentic, that the actions and words must go hand in hand, right? We say things like, the proof is in the pudding, or back it up, or put your money where your mouth is. And the Apostle John says much the same thing is true for the Christian faith. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, referring to everybody who believes in Christ, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And then he says, This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. Our faith is authenticated by our actions. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's where serving others comes into being. We can say we love, but until we act, it's just hot air. You know, at our church in Canada, before we came here, there was a man who was a relatively new Christian. He had a lot of bluster about him and kind of a, kind of a man's man, but he came to faith in Christ, and he, and he instantly got this. It was, it was amazing to watch. He, he was pretty handy, and so when everybody had a problem in the church, he would step in and help out. He was a hunter, and so every winter, single moms and the widows in the church would receive a lot of meat from him put in their freezers. He was an introvert, and he wasn't really naturally good with people, but he pushed himself outside his comfort zone. He ushered. He toured people around the church. He made sure he knew their names. He made sure they felt comfortable. For him, it was quite simple. If you, if you love Jesus, you love people. And not just in word, but in deed. And God the Father is, is the ultimate example of this, isn't he? God's not some detached figure in heaven who, who just says these nice, inspiring words through his word, but doesn't do anything. 
He took action when he saw our need and he sent his son Jesus to love for us. Concrete love and action. You know, this morning as I, as I close, you know, my hope and prayer for us as individuals but also as a church is that we would increasingly be people who, who are known by the quality of our love for each other and for the quality of our love and service outside these church walls. That in all things, people will be pointed to Jesus Christ and they will look at the quality of our life together, the quality of our service, and say, we know they're believers. We know they love Jesus because of how they love and serve others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that you not only say you love us and care for us, but you put that in action. You provide us with with blessings tenfold and more. You sent your son Jesus to die for us, and we thank you for that ultimate expression of your love put into action. Lord, we thank you that Jesus set the example for us and that he came not to be served, but he came to serve. So Lord Jesus, help us to be people um, who reflect in our lives, both in the church and outside of it, people who love others as Jesus has first loved us, to love indiscriminately, to, to serve concretely and love concretely, and to love and serve sacrificially. Help us to be those sorts of people, Lord. We know that it's possible through the power of your Spirit and the encouragement of each other. Help us to love and to serve. In Jesus' name, amen.